0: I want to read our text for this morning. It's from Matthew 22. For the next few weeks, we're just going to be using, until we get to Advent, which starts the Sunday, um, it's actually two Sundays, the first Sunday in December, two Sundays after Thanksgiving, um, we'll be starting Advent. Um, But until then, we're just going to be using the Gospel text and the lectionary. And so you can go to Google Revised Common Lectionary, and you can find those texts um, online. Um, I put a link in our Facebook group. But we're just going to be using the Gospel text, and I think they're all from Matthew and so we're going to be jumping back into Matthew. We've come out of our series on our values, and now we're jumping back into the Gospels, and I'm really excited about it. So I'm going to read this one. I'm sure you all have heard this text before. It may, it may be uh, one of the top. It certainly isn't the top uh, text in, in the Gospels. And so it's very, very important, and I'm excited to reflect just a little bit on it this morning. Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40 is what I'm going to read today. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. I wasn't sure what the text for this week was going to be when I began my week. And when I looked it up online and I saw that the text for today was this one in particular, I had the thought, like, man, I've preached on this text like a million times. Like, how am I going to come up with anything to say that I haven't already said before? So I got on my computer and I started, like, looking to see what I'd preached on in the past on this particular passage. And so I searched Matthew 22 Put quotations around it see if I could find it. You know, Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. I looked on my computer over and over and over again. I could not find one sermon that I've actually preached on this passage. And it's funny because I don't think I've actually ever preached on this passage in Matthew. And so I had the thought, like, why did I think that I had preached on this passage so Many times. I literally thought, man, I must have preached dozens of sermons on this particular passage. Well, as I've thought about it, I think the reason is quite simple. This teaching from Jesus about loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself, it's one of the most important things in the whole scripture. And it's literally all over the New Testament. It comes up over and over and over and over again. The New Testament over and over. It's love, 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 over and over and over again. I haven't preached on Matthew 22 verses 34 through 40, but I preached on love too many times to remember. If I type in sermon, love, there's a lot of options that come up on my computer. (laughs) Rob Durham gave me a really cool gift this past year. I'll put it on the screen. It's a picture uh, of, it's a piece of art, it's, that's Oscar Romero, one of my heroes, and, and it says, let us not tire of preaching love. It is the force that will overcome the world. Dorothy Day said that love and ever more love is the only solution to every problem that comes up. So we're preaching love again today. And our text for today... Jesus is asked an important question. Maybe the most important question He's ever asked. The Pharisees ask Him, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Now when they were referring to the law, they're talking about the Torah, which is the first five books in the Old Testament. These books are not just full of laws. There's lots going on in the Torah. These are the essential teachings and stories of the Jewish faith. Jesus was a devout Jew. And so this was His Scripture. These were the most important texts for His faith. So essentially, the Pharisees were asking Jesus about the most essential teachings in their Scriptures. What is most important? In the Torah, there are over 600 commandments. In early Judaism, there was a lot of debate Um, There was even an attempt by some teachers to rank the commandments and figure out which teachings were the most important. Was there a most, is there maybe one of the teachings that kind of sits above all the others? Is there one that is more essential? Their question is essentially, what is the guiding principle for our lives, Jesus? These are the kinds of questions that really get to the heart of the matter. This has been the journey I've been on for a while now. How do we get to the heart of our faith? What is this really all about? What is life all about? In our Facebook community group, uh, Laura Pace commented on there this week, and she had been reading a book, and she pointed out that the book indicated that Jesus was asked a lot of questions in his ministry, but he didn't answer many of them very directly. Quite, very few number of questions would Jesus ever answer directly. And people ask him questions a lot. And part, of the, part of the deal was like people were trying to trap him often and he was smart and so he knew how not to get in the traps. But often people were asking questions that there weren't simple answers to. And so Jesus would often tell a story as a response to a question, which is not a very direct way to answer, right? Or maybe he would answer the question indirectly, or maybe even change the subject and start talking about something different. But that's not what he does here in this section. I find it interesting that he chose to answer this question very directly and very clearly. They asked him what the most important teaching in their Scriptures was, and he told them exactly which teaching was the most important. Can we just pause for a moment And and just realize and sit with how awesome this is. And how important this is. How incredible it is that we have a record of Jesus telling us what the most important thing is. We have a record of Jesus telling us what the most important thing in all of our lives ought to be. Jesus, who we believe as Christians is God in human flesh, told us what the most important thing is. And it's not just in Matthew. We can find this exact same story in Mark and Luke as well. What a gift this is to us. As confused as we often get about how we ought to be living and what we ought to be focused on, Jesus has made it very clear what is most important. He answered the Pharisees by saying, here's the most important teachings in the whole of your Scriptures. Love the Lord your God, With all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. So Jesus, these commandments were actually in the Torah. He pulled the first commandment from Deuteronomy, and the second from Leviticus. And he argued that these two in particular were the greatest. He basically argued that all the sacred scriptures that they they held as the Jews could be interpreted and applied through these two passages, to these two commandments, which are all about love. All of it can be interpreted and understood through a lens of love. All of their teachings and commands, all the law and the prophets sit underneath these two. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. As I continue to read and study the New Testament, I become more convinced that all the writers of the New Testament, particularly the letters, Paul, Peter, James, John, all the writers of the New Testament letters, were doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. They were putting love at the top. Let's take Paul for example. I would argue that all of Paul's letters were an effort to help these churches deal with all their issues, their complicated issues they were having by applying an ethic of love to their context they were living in. For example, in Romans, we talked about Romans over the summer. In Romans, Paul was addressing major conflict between Jewish and Gentile Christians. And he used a lot of different strategies to help them learn to love each other in very tangible and practical ways in spite of their deep-seated differences and conflicts. You know, last week I spoke, uh, or a couple weeks ago, I spoke at Common Good, uh, the nonprofit ministry that is in our church. I spoke at their uh, annual fundraising breakfast. And as I was preparing for what I wanted to share, something came to me, just a simple line, but it stuck with me for the last week and a half. Here's what I shared I said that Common Good was built on a foundation of love. This thriving organization, if you've seen the journey, it's been on Common Good, is thriving. So many students and families and staff and programs and initiatives, it was all built on a foundation of love. It wasn't built just on talent or really hard work or some calling from God or really good strategies. It was ultimately built on a foundation of love. Love that was shared in relationship among many people throughout our community. And that created the solid foundation to help this thing thrive, right? Oftentimes people will come to Laura and they will ask her, they'll say, how can we recreate what y'all have here in another place? And that's a very hard thing to answer, right? Because you have to have that foundation of love shared between many people of all walks of life. That was the foundation that the work was built upon. And you don't have it without that foundation. I believe that our churches ought to be built on a foundation of love. Love ought to be that tie that binds us together. The things that holds us together and keeps us strong through the hard times. We are a United Methodist Church and we're part of the Kentucky Annual Conference. And we have a bishop and his name is Bishop Leonard Fairley. And he has been recently recasting a vision for this next season of life together as the United Methodist Church in Kentucky. And one thing I love that he keeps talking about is love. (laughs) He keeps talking about how he wants to build this new version of the UMC on a foundation of love. And he keeps quoting John Wesley over and over and over again who said something along the lines of like this, that we may not think alike, but we can all love alike. Too often, we have built our churches and communities on other things. Shared doctrine, shared interest, or even shared enemies. Some of our political groups in America seem to be built more on a foundation of hatred for their opponents than they do on anything else. They often don't share even the same values or beliefs about government or policy. Do you hate those people over there? Well, you can join our group. Churches split and do the same things, right? Churches split, form new churches based on the fact that they're not like the church that they just left. I wonder if we ought to focus more on just loving each other as good as we can and becoming more bound to one another in love and let that be the strength of our community, the tie that binds us together. I have this wonderful devotional that... Um, that. Diane Cahill I know has. She's recommended it to me. It's, it's a, one called the Social Justice Devotional. It's written by a guy named Stephen Mattson. And I really love it. It's kind of sad, but he's having to use the devotional to convince Christians to care about social justice. You know, That shouldn't be a, a, a really a debatable thing, right? But I love this particular one. It stuck out to me. And it's a bit provoking when you read it. But I want to read it for you. He said... One of the greatest tragedies of many models of Christianity is that we teach proper doctrine instead of practicing neighborly love. Our churches and preachers and theologians debate and argue and fight about theological principles and biblical interpretation and all sorts of things that really aren't that important. Meanwhile, the communities around us aren't being loved and the oppression and the injustice occurring right within our midst is left unaddressed. We don't need to be a theologian to love our neighbors. We don't need to hold a ministerial license or a seminary degree to love our neighbors. What is required is our love. And he says, God would rather we be a good neighbor than a good theologian, a good preacher, or a good biblical scholar. In fact, the best theology of all is this, to love God and love our neighbors and i don't think he's being too extreme here jesus was asked about all the teaching of the jewish scriptures and the torah what's the most important and what did he say to love god and love your neighbor as yourself and what was jesus do calling people to join a movement of love there wasn't a prerequisite you got to believe these certain right things oh you got to get on board with all this disciples didn't have any idea about a lot of things about god but jesus called them to be transformed through living a life of love in their communities where they were called. I don't think Stephen Madsen, he would not argue that theology and doctrine are unimportant. This guy loves theology and doctrine. But they're secondary to neighborly love. Our theology and doctrines ought to help us become more loving people. Our beliefs about God and about each other and about humanity and about our world ought to be centered on a belief that the foundation of all of it is love. Scripture teaches us that God is, in fact, love. I don't think we can go too extreme on this, right? What did Dr. King say? If we're going to be extremist, let's be extremist for love. I don't think we're ever going to love too much because our model is God Himself. Jesus Himself. I was talking this week, uh, with, with Rachel about my sermon. And we were just talking about this passage and she was sharing with that this passage has ultimately set her free in so many ways. Many of us has, have grown up in experiences of church that were kind of rules-based and rigid. That churches can often be built on a foundation of rule following. You follow the rules and then you're in. And you're like us. You believe the right things. And you're in. You're like us. This teaching from Jesus... That all the commands actually hang on to is liberating. So Jesus, you're telling me I only need to worry about love? And all that other stuff can flow from that space? Reverend Jackie Lewis has a podcast. I love the title. Love, period, is what it's called. She's arguing that love, period, thats all we need. Love is the answer. And I believe this teaching from Jesus actually can set us free. In these verses, Jesus references three loves. Not just two, actually. I don't think it's two. I think it's three. Love of God, love of neighbor, and love of self. Often we miss the third one, love of self. But it is in there, right? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. When all three loves are dancing together in unison, I think we find ourselves most whole and most free. One thing I've encountered is that people often want to rank the loves: love God, love others, love self. Love God's first, love others is second, love self is last. There's a soccer league in town, and um, came out of the church I grew up in, and I I like the name, but I've actually started to wonder about it some. It's called I Am Third, and the idea is that God first, others second, I am third. But I don't really look at it that way anymore. I think the three loves ought to work together in unity. We need all three in order to be whole. And so instead of ranking them, I think we need to lean into all three loves as much as we can. Because one is not more important to the other because they all actually can be expressions of the other. The way I love my neighbor, it can be an expression of the way that I love God. The way I love myself is an expression of the way that I love God. Because if I'm loving myself, that means I'm loving the person that God created me to be. We cannot love God fully if we do not love our neighbor. It says this in the, the John's letter that he wrote. He talks about this. He says how you cannot claim to love God if you do not love your neighbor that's right there in front of you. So we cannot love God fully if we do not love our neighbor and we cannot love God fully if we reject this beautiful creation that He's made us to be and don't love ourselves. We cannot love our neighbor fully if we do not love God and love ourselves. A lot of people have tried to love others, but when they're not working on themselves and they don't love themselves, it's really hard. It's hard to love anyone if you can't love yourself. We cannot love ourselves fully if we don't love God and love our neighbor. We exist, I believe, in an inseparable bond between God and others and self. I'm not John without God, and I'm not John without you all, with my community, right? We all belong together and loving relationship. Jesus was asked about the guiding principle for life, the guiding commandment, the greatest commandment in Scripture, and here's what He said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Perhaps the greatest work we can do as a church is to help one another learn to love that we help one another learn to love ourselves, learn to love each other, and learn to love God. I'll close with these words from Teresa of Avila, spiritual teacher and master in the great cloud of witnesses. She says, the important thing is not to think much, but to love much. And so to do whatever best awakens you to love. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.